What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, flamethrowers. Shireen here. We are so proud to bring you a very special Mother's Day episode of Burn It All Down with Canadian Olympian Perdita Felicien. I would like to add a content note for this special segment. We will be discussing fertility and pregnancy. Burn It All Down wishes all the mothers, chosen, birth, adoptive, surrogate, caregivers and women laboring and loving a very happy Mother's Day. But we would also like to recognize that Mother's Day can be a difficult one for many, and we are holding space for those who are struggling as well. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Perdita Felicien. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm currently under a blanket fort recording at home. What does your setup look like? I'm definitely not <laughs> under a fort. I'll tell you that right now. Okay, why the fort? <laughs> well, it just actually helps with the sound. It absorbs yes. extra sound. So, yes. um, yeah. Yep, us media people know that, but people are like, why is she under a fort? <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, this is a technical thing. So t- I, I'm so savvy. Um, how are you? coping and doing through all this physical distancing, not just professionally, but personally, let's start there. You know, I'm doing really, really well. And I have to say, like, I have a bit of an issue with saying that because there are a lot of people who are ailing and who are struggling right now. And it kind of feels like, well, I don't feel underwater. And the reason is, you know, Shereen, I've been shooting the show around Champion for the last three months, basically. And we wrapped just as social isolation was starting to become a thing. And so I've, okay. I've craved downtime. And this is like, you know, the downtown that you, w- you wouldn't ask for it to come in this way, but it, it has allowed me just to be really still and quiet. And that's, that's beautiful. I've been following you on your Instagram story and your cleaning and organizing. I'm very inspired, but also just kind of <laughs> shaming myself as I watch you. Is that what you're doing in terms of your downtime, like cleaning, organizing, everything. Everything, the spice rack, the garage, my husband's sock drawer, like everything. But for me, that really is my meditation. That's my self-care. So Mm -hmm. I could care less about a pedicure, you know? Mm -hmm. I love to cook. I love to clean. I love to organize. And that is one of the things I've really been stressing to, you know, my sisters, I have three of them and girlfriends. It's like, Use this time the way that you want to use this time, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's cleaning the house. Maybe it's coming up with this great idea. But maybe it's literally like you being in a blanket fort, you know, Mm -hmm. doing what you got to do. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, letting life unfold the way it's going to unfold. I think that's really important. And I appreciate you saying that. 
you're recognizing the other people out there who are most definitely struggling, the ones on the front lines, be them, you know, like frontline healthcare workers, those that are in grocery stores, anybody having to, I actually don't have to do that either. I work from home. I feel really, really blessed, but I'm very cognizant of what's happening around me. And I don't have to do the emotional and psychological gymnastics just to survive. And I'm very grateful for that. And that leads me kind of to the next thing I wanted to ask you that you're work is very demanding. It has physically, emotionally, psychologically. And do you think your training as an athlete has contributed to the mindset that you have to use this downtime? And like, is it resilience that you've learned? Is it innate that helped you make you the athlete in person that you are? Yeah, it is. And here's the thing. Sometimes I feel like, girl, show some like angst sometimes. Show some like, ah, the, the world is burning down. Like show that I really have always been a cool customer. And yes, like, it is because of my life as an athlete. Like you always were in the middle, meaning if you won something, it never went to your head. You had to be even keeled. If you lost something, same thing applies, right? Like don't get high on your own supply. Don't get too high. Don't get too over yourself. And it just allows you to stay in the state of balance where the downs, the bad days don't get you too down, but the really high days, you're not like smelling yourself and thinking, you know, it's all good. But I think that kind of can be a disservice to me or other athletes because you're always um, editing your emotions, if that makes sense, right? Mm, like you're always yeah. kind of like, well, no, I can't be too sad. Well, no, I can't be too happy. Well, I, I did this amazing thing. I wrote this book and I, you know, I'm hosting the show. Well, don't celebrate, girl, because yeah, you know, you haven't won an Emmy. You haven't, you know, you haven't won a, any prizes. And so I think in this time where I am, I know yeah. it's serious because you allude to frontline workers. My mother works in a nursing home, so she mm -hmm. takes care of the elderly. She's been in this in this line of work for, you know, more than two decades now. So yeah. I do think of her. I think of her friends. But it is right now for me, I'm just staying calm and cool and collected and doing what I can to help those around me naturally. But sometimes I do feel like you really have you can give situations more reverence. Like you don't always have to be the one in control. Um, mm. And so I'm just trying to find that 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 sweet spot. I don't know if I'll ever find it, Shereen. Honestly, I don't know. See, okay, Pete, my question is, what are some tips for others of us who are not cool customers? <laughs> what are some, like, just off the top of your head, what yeah. would you suggest to not, I mean, you have a, you have an infant and yeah. how, like the fact that you're managing to be this level headed is just <laughs> phenomenal to me when so much of your own life has been reshuffled and disrupted because of yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. So I have this mantra and I've had it for a long time, probably since 2012 and I call it, hopefully I can say one cuss word on here. Um, I call it barbecue that bitch. Okay. Yep. I will take the, uh, you know, the authority to veto that <laughs> Yay. You, you can swear just fine. Okay. Barbecue that bitch. <laughs> Yay. I love it. When I say it, I feel so empowered. <laughs> yes. So basically the premise for me, and I've always, ad I've adopted this since 2012. Like I said, it's basically everything that you feel, Shireen, everything that we're feeling right now, I take mm -hmm. those emotions and I feel them. I let them mm -hmm. become valid in my life. Right. Right. And then I have this thing where I either I, I, I um I acknowledge them, but then I, I try and find a way for them to get out of me, like out of my heart, out of my mind, out of my spirit, out of my psyche. You as the individual have to decide what that looks like for me. For me, barbecue mm -hmm. that be means all those emotions that I'm feeling. I write it down on a piece of paper. Okay, I mm -hmm. feel like this really sucks. I'm mm -hmm. afraid for my sister who also works in a nursing home. And I write mm -hmm. all those things down. And I let them live on the page, right? And okay. I let them live there for as long as they need to live there. Maybe it's a few hours, maybe it's a day. Then, okay, I take 
fire to them. I burn that piece of paper and I light that puppy up. And for me, it's it, it's extreme. I don't always physically, I can't do that now. It's more when I was an athlete, I would do this. Um, now it's literally like throwing the paper out or ripping it. But for me, barbecuing that bee really means like, give yourself permission to feel what you're feeling. Then take yeah. those emotions and mm-hmm. put them elsewhere. And then after mm-hmm. you've done that, what's your plan? And so it's mm-hmm. okay to have a pity party. It's okay to like feel those things. But I think give yourself a time. I used to always give myself a time. Okay, I'm going to be really depressed probably about this experience for like a week 10 days a month but then when that time frame is over like it's like the same way you schedule appointments and you schedule whatever after that's done this one week whatever it is or three day morning or whatever you want to call it then I'm going to get on a mission to find a solution or to take care of myself so really what I urge everyone to do is like you got to figure out what that barbecue that be looks like for you in your world the truth is like Mm-hmm. People are going through really serious things. But here's yeah. the thing, Shireen, if you don't take care of yourself, you yeah. can't take care of your parents who are you can't see in the nursing home. You can't be there for your children who are probably like driving you crazy, running around the living room, trying to e-learn. Right. Like yeah. you have to take care of you first. And it's important to do that. Right. One of the things that you said that I want to touch on is that things that you can't control and letting go of that control and doing this and reaffirming your own feelings is very much of that. Like I can't often control, especially in a time and a place where you much like everybody in, in, in journalism, a lot of or freelancers anyway, a lot of our work has been decimated. So you have to give yourself time to mourn that, to grieve, but then, okay, let's find a plan B. It doesn't always work for everybody, but I agree with you. But in terms of not controlling things, athletes generally have had to contend with random circumstances, you know, ruining their chances. Like you, for example, had an injury that kept you from the 2008 Olympic games. You clipped a hurdle in 2004 and couldn't finish. And was this what you did to accept that and to move forward? You know what? No. Um, burn that bee came, um, a lot later than that. And I think it was finding my way through 2004 Athens being a favorite and like falling at the Olympic games. You know, I'm a herder. We jump things. It's a built-in work hazard. It just wasn't my day. And again, Mm -hmm. it's like, here's what you can do. You can prepare as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And that is really what the life of an athlete is. You work and you work and you work. And my line of work, I have 12 and a half seconds, which is what an elite hurdle race lasts, you know, give or take a little bit more. And yeah. I have 12 and a half seconds to justify years of work. It doesn't make sense. Four years I've been working <laughs> plus, and you're giving me 12 seconds to prove to you that this all this crap was worth it. Oh my and- God, when you say it like that, it sounds... So wild, wild. (laughs) And like who would spend 40 hours a week devoted to one thing and you get one shot once every four years. And if you mess up that shot, you're not like LeBron James. You're not like Steph Curry. You know, you can't come back like every year and contend for the NBA championship or the Stanley Cup. You don't get that. Right. 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 And so. I really had to, it took a long time. You know, my career, I started in 2000, pro in 2004, retired in 2013. Mm-hmm. Over those years, I realized all Perdita can do is show up, stare down those 10, I call them bombs, because literally running a hurdle race is like a minefield. It, all it yeah. takes is one of those hurdles to like detonate in your face and the whole thing is over. And it's mm-hmm. like, you have to stare down those 10 barriers. But here's the thing, Shireen. The girl in in the lane beside me to my right and to my left and like adjacent to all the other lanes, I have no control over what she's going to do. So why am I going to take my precious energy, my mental capital and burn it and waste it on on what she could do or what could happen? I've learned Mm -hmm. and it took years to learn this. It doesn't make sense. 
So here's mm-hmm. the thing with, with COVID-19 and Corona right now. It's mm-hmm. who would have predicted this? Like nobody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all you can do is take care of you, your mind, your space, your people, and your circle, whatever that is. Everything else, I'm not saying you shouldn't pay attention and you shouldn't be able to weigh in, of course. But if that's not serving you, like there's a point now where I don't watch the news. Like I love to consume news. My husband loves to consume news, but I've mm-hmm. decided like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to pair down on that for a little bit because it's just too much. It's just too much. It's overwhelming. I can't control what China's doing. I can't control what the United States is doing. I just can't. And so mm-hmm. I've made a conscious decision that I'm going to focus on me and what I can control. But once you let that go, it is mm-hmm. so free and so liberating. Like it makes everything to me a little bit simpler. I love what you said about mental capital. Like that is so key. Like you're not going to waste that. That's absolutely true. And I mean, we're seeing this global pandemic now and it's impacted sports in a way that I've never seen in my lifetime. And during the course of your storied career, it's not the same level as this, like you said, COVID-19, but um, SARS did impact Canada about 16 years ago. Did anything you were involved back then get canceled? Anything even at a smaller magnitude? You know what? I remember hearing about it. Oh gosh, SARS seems like a distant memory now. <laughs> like 16 years <laughs> yeah. ago. 16, it, yeah. Not like this. Like the way it's affected the global sports calendar, one, we, we, we all know the Olympics have been pushed back to 2021. That yeah. has created almost like a ripple out effect, like a, more like a tsunami, really, where everything else is being washed away. A lot of seasons are being wiped out. Next year, we don't know what's going to happen to a lot of like major, you know, championships like aquatics and track and field. So I don't remember in my career, and my career was what, more than a decade long. I don't remember anything like this having this kind of impact. Um, it's to me, it's, it's unimaginable what athletes are facing right now and how they're going to juggle this. I just don't know. I mean, it's not only sports, it's everything that's been affected quite frankly. And I mean, I, your book that I've read and it's wonderful and I was so excited. It was scheduled to come out in April, but, and now it's been delayed a year. And why was that decision made? Was it part and parcel because leading up to the Olympics or was it because you could tour? Oh, great question. Let me, let me open up this little Pandora's box of like thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? No one's like, no one's explicitly asked me that. And of course I've made the announcement that my book, my mother's daughter is not going to be released on April 14th. So a few people are like, well, this is when it should come out. The appetite is there for it. Now people are at home, you know, you have a captive audience and I think they're right. I think, you know, now could, could be a really great climate. But I think, you know, ultimately the, the decision was Penguin Random Houses. You know, they're my publisher. It was it was their idea. Of course, they consulted me. They consulted my agent. But I really feel like um, we don't have brick and mortar stores to support it. We wouldn't have open libraries to support this book. Right, right. And that was something that was really important for me. You know, in the book, I talk about some of my earliest memories being at Kohl's, the book people, and we really weren't able to like afford books or buy books, but we'd go there to read them. And I'd like lay in, in you know, in the rows or wherever on the floor, on the carpeted floor. And people who want to buy books would have to like step over me you know, while my family is like in another section reading what they want to read, right? So I want the library experience for my book. I want Mm -hmm. to be able to go to chapters in Indigo physically and talk Mm -hmm. about the impact of this book. And so Mm -hmm. a a bit of it is, I think they're realizing that they they wouldn't be able to like market it and really celebrate this book the way that they wanted. 
And of course, having the Olympics, you know, I, I'm supposed to be or signed on to go with CBC to broadcast. I mean, it would be it would oh, wow. make sense to have those things. Yeah. Yeah. You've read the book like it's a mother daughter story. And yes. I so I so crave the Mother's Day release. That's really yeah. been important to me. And I would have missed that. Right. Yeah, I would have missed yeah. that. Um, I so- had I had um, a lot of uh pictures like in my head about mm-hmm. like I was actually going to give it to my mom if she's listening to this mm-hmm. sorry it was spoiler for Mother's Day and my daughter as well even though yeah. I think my kid should only fit me but this is that's <laughs> just something um I I totally hear that see that and after reading it there was so much of a celebration of that relationship plus a community relationship that yes. I could envision everybody being there for your launch so it makes sense to me when so much of you and your extended family your chosen family was poured into this yeah. so I mean like I, I totally see that and I, I respect that I'm looking forward to when it comes out and we will talk again. Speaking of mothers and daughters, Nova is almost yeah. one. Yes. I don't I don't know where the time went. I don't know either. <laughs> what has that been like through this to have a baby go out, yeah. be social? I still remember when you took her for just alone, you and her in your first walk. And I was like, yeah, you're a champion. Yeah, you're doing this. You're doing this. Oh, I'm feeling all the feels right now. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. So basically, yes, Nova was just, you know, I don't, she might've been weeks old or months old. And yeah. I was so scared to leave the house by myself <laughs> with just her. It was like, I was shut in and I did it. And I was like, what if she cries in the back of the car? What if like she needs the milk? Do I pull over? Do I stop? Like all these thoughts in my head. And I'm like, now you have to throw in the car seat. If she has a bottle and she's hungry, she's wailing. I was like, girl, we'll get to where we're getting. You'll be fine. Like a year yeah. makes a huge difference. But I will say like, the way that I've, I've approached parenting, I feel like, you know, I'm almost 40. So I had Nova really late. I had her just before I turned 39. So yeah. a late mother by design, you know, mm-hmm. um, she she wasn't an easy baby to have, right? We needed help. We needed fertility treatment. So having her, mm-hmm. she's like our little miracle baby. And mm-hmm. But what I have to be careful of is... The athlete in me expects so much of myself that I don't pour that into this little soul, this little spirit that I allow Nova. Like Nova is about three weeks away from being one and this girl refuses to walk, okay? She's like, <laughs> I'm crawling. I am getting to where I need. And she, she's a fast crawler, but she has no interest in walking. And there's a part of me that's like opening up the, the books. I'm like, okay, you know, when is she supposed to walk? Oh, Nova, I think you're late. Are you late? But I'm like, Perdita quell that spirit. Nova's, this is her life to live, not yours. You're living your life. Let her lead hers. And so this is always a fear of mine. I'll be honest um, with you with, with being a mother one day is I don't ever want to be, this is why I don't coach, right? Like I mentor, but I don't coach is because Mm -hmm. I know I'm a hard person to please. I know I'm really, really tough and my expectations are so high and I'm really working hard, Shireen, to not impose that on my daughter so she can have a really free life and a free existence, right? Mm -hmm. And she's a happy baby. She's a social baby. You know, I take her on. It's fun. Um, in fact, when I first started um, shooting the, the show that I'm working on, I'm sure we'll talk about it, All Round Champion, um, mm-hmm. a TV series, she literally was born at four pounds, was in the NICU, and literally she would maybe, maybe was four weeks old, and I get a call saying, hey, you know that that pilot, that thing that we green, got greenlit, and you're our host. Can you go down the road for for 12 weeks the entire summer right. of 2019 yeah. and uh, and host this TV show? And I was like, no, no, I can't. Like, I'm not leaving my, 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 my you know, my daughter daughter alone. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about the relationship about mother and daughter, it was my mother Mm -hmm. who sat me down and said, yes, you're a mother now. And yes, Nova is really going to need you. And she's not fully on her way yet. But 
you are still Perdita. And this is something that you have worked hard to achieve. Like hosting mm-hmm. a whole TV program, you mm-hmm. have to go. And she gave me really the permission to say, I'm not being negligent if I leave my daughter or if I say yes to this opportunity. Like mm-hmm. I... I can do this. And it was hard, Shireen, to do that. But mm-hmm. looking at her almost turning a year and you're right, where did the time go? It's like, oh my God, like moms, Shireen, we can do whatever the heck we want. Don't you think? I still I still struggle with that. And I love that your mother gave you the permission, the validation to make that choice because that was a part of her story. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's really, that's really fascinating to me. And I still struggle with it all the time. You do. But can I do this? My work, I travel. Well, no, right now I'm not going, I'm going from like the living room to the kitchen. That's about the travel that I do. <laughs> but like, but like I do a lot of travel as well. And in one particular uh, event, yeah. I was supposed to be in Australia for Eid and miss the end of Ramadan with my kids. And I was mm. like, I can't do this. I was bawling. And my daughter's like, what's wrong with you? I would have booked this <laughs> ticket years ago. And I was just like, no, yeah. but like, I don't want to be with you. And they were just like, so I, they get older. I have 14 but it gets easier but I still but does it because I still struggle with the exact thing and I these are always thoughts that you'll have like you know and even though you're an elite athlete you've managed so many things professionally the personal still is always different but what helps you push what helps you push through that like you did you go to Australia you were there right you did go no I was supposed to go in the end of May and like the whole thing got canceled obviously but like but I was you know supposed to go other places some of the things have been postponed to late uh 2020 we'll see I just want this year to be over quite frankly but like I'm I'm with you I mean I'm getting better at it but I also needed the permission of my children to be able to say you know, and they were like, why are you even asking us? You're all about being an independent feminist mom. Like, why are you asking us? And yeah. I was like, I can't, I'm still trying to reconcile those pieces. But um, as far as any other, I'm really glad to hear that All Around Champion had wrapped up because I was thinking about that oh. as when we were talking about this. This because I mean, what a great show. Also a show conceptually that as someone who does sports and is an athlete, I was like, how is this even happening? Yeah. I did a yoga stretching class last night and I'm done today. Did you pull so, anything? Like, like yoga to me is like another like universe. It's so, like it's so hard. It's so, I can run for 90 minutes on the pitch. Yes. I can do what I need to do. I yes. cannot stretch without with hurting. Mm-hmm. Same. So like All Around Champion, were you in on the concept as well? Did they bring it to you and say, we want you to host or? No. So I'll tell you quickly about it. So All Round Champion is a series that they told me the concept, which is essentially 10 elite athletes. They're pretty young. So they're all under 16 years old, but they're elite in gymnastics, swimming, mm-hmm. diving. And so basically mm-hmm. what happens is we're together for 10 weeks and mm-hmm. every week they have basically one day to just get introduced to the sport two days to train and then on the fourth day they compete in the sport but the the person whose sport it is becomes the coach we bring Mm -hmm. in a sports star who's accomplished like amazing things in that Mm -hmm. sport so we bring in a you know a star gymnast to come Mm -hmm. in and help the 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 child i shouldn't say child we're not supposed to call them children the athlete who's uh (laughs) the sport leader who is um whose sport it is to coach the others so the others don't ever compete in their own sport. They compete in their com- competitions. Hopefully I'm make- mm-hmm. it's making sense. You don't need a flow chart. So basically <laughs> the concept is gnarly because you have two days. It would be like me having two days to, to do tennis and then another couple days to do like, you know, snowboarding or whatever it is. Like these children throw themselves into these sports. We have some injuries. We have tons of tears, lots of drama because they're living together for these 12 weeks. I'm their mm-hmm. host. And... Mm-hmm. You know, the the mama in me really wants to nurture them. But I'm, I told you about how hard I am as a coach and an athlete. <laughs> the other part was like, I'm not taking this crap. You see this? What you're doing? Like, and I have to get, you know, kind of firm and, and stern. And and I do. 
But I love the concept because you see these athletes stretch and grow. And mm-hmm. it's really, it's, why I'm proud of it, Shireen, is it's really a show that mothers, fathers, families, like mm-hmm. children can watch together. And there's not tons of those out there, right? We literally stopped filming on March 10th. And oh, then wow. you saw how quickly COVID-19 took hold, right? So yeah, we were lucky yeah. to, to wrap when we did. You know, the, the sports goddesses love you. They're smiling they must, down they, on you. They must. I'm telling you, um, I did something right. <laughs> and while we were just touched on your book, again, I wanted, I really loved how you narrated your mother's story as an observer, but then it's wrapped into your story as well. And I do want to interview fully when it's closer to book launch. And But I just wanted to touch on one specific line that yeah. you wrote that mm-hmm. really, really affected me. And yes. You wrote, education was not something her parents could afford to value. And you're describing your mother and your maternal grandparents at this point, but it was so poignant. Mm-hmm. And especially now, it's so relevant. Yes. Um, I wish I could share more of the book, but obviously yeah. I, I can't, I won't. But we're in the middle of a pandemic and these socioeconomic divides are deeper yes. than ever. And that particular line really hit me. And just not only in relation to athletes handling this, but in communities handling this, mm-hmm. like being able, what we can afford to value right now. Yeah. Well, my mother, when she was around, b- before she was 12 years old, she had to basically drop out of school. So my mom right. had less than a grade seven education. Her parents couldn't afford to value education because my mother had to go out and basically work. Right. Right. And right. so she craved that in the lives of her children that we had education. But to your point, I think what really Corona is showing us is the haves and the have nots in many mm-hmm. ways. Like I said, I'm trying not to read the news, but if you see the stats on race, you realize that <laughs> people of color, people in marginalized communities are dying yeah. at a disproportionate rate from yeah. COVID-19. They're not getting the interventions. They're not getting the help. They're not getting the test. Right. And it's like, this has been systemic. So why wouldn't Corona show this even more, especially in the States, you're seeing these stats, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for me, it's one of those things where it's like, what can I do to help? You feel like in this time, I feel like I don't, I'm looking for ways that I can contribute. Yes, donating and giving money. But at the same time, what really frustrated me, Shireen, and I don't know if it frustrated you, is seeing a lot of these uh, celebrities like singing and doing kumbaya. Oh, girl, and, girl, oh, I, tone deaf. No. But, but you know who I really respect? Rihanna, because that girl has sent millions of dollars yeah, to has. the States, Barbados, Haiti, and she's paying for the ventilators of people who are affected. She's buying masks. And so to me, we're all doing what we can, I hope, whether it's not going out if you feel like you're sick or, you know, staying quarantined, if you know, to keep other people safe and not to just dump on celebrities. But sometimes I'm like, I just cannot take the fakeness. Like, I just cannot right now. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It's, 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 it's a bit frustrating. Talking about the added concerns that communities that are of racialized folks, do you have heightened concerns about athletes from these communities during this pandemic, seen as particularly Black women? Or, uh, you know, the stats from the United States are far more clear and they're captured more, but how received the least amount of support? We know that there's anti-Blackness that runs through the systems of medical in Canada and the United States. Are you more concerned for athletes and young women that are, you know, from those communities. Yeah, because honestly, their voices will not be heard. They'll be, you know, the last people on the list when it comes to priority to be to be helped. And, you know, for the most part, a lot of them have had no choice but to put like sport and preparation aside because they just have to take care of their families right now. They just have to take care of 
themselves. A lot of the athletes that I know, sport has taken a back seat. They're not picking up tennis rackets. You know, yes, you can go for, for runs and things like that, but they're not training. Like this is completely grounded and floored everybody. But yes, to your point, marginalized communities are going to feel the wrath of this the most. And let's talk about the economic impact for a while, right? So if you have tons of money in the bank, what's what's another year or six months or three months without some work? You know, let's say you're a, you're an athlete, you know, in the Middle East or you're an athlete in, in West Africa or East Africa. If you're not racing on the Diamond League circuit, which is the, the track and field circuit, which has completely been just basically halted, you're not making money. You're not eating and you're not able to provide for your family. And a lot of these athletes in these um, smaller, um, you know, communities, they are the economic engine for an entire community. If they're not yeah. racing the Berlin Marathon, if they're not racing the London Marathon, there really mm-hmm. is no money for them to take back to feed their families and their those families, friends, and, and so on and so forth. So I really do think about that impact. And it's, it's, it's such a micro thought for a lot of people. Like, you don't think about that. But it is, I'm, I'm like... I remember athletes I would run with, you'd only see them on the circuit, you know, a few times a year because they really couldn't afford to maybe fly in or maybe they had a really good agent who would bring them in. And you know that they're going back and that, you know, $1,000 U.S. prize money is tons of money to them, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, It is, yeah, but, but, but that's gone. That's gone. And I think that so much of this is correlated and a lot of people don't understand. I have a lot of issues with the Olympics and like the mm-hmm. Olympic Committee and the way they do mm-hmm. things. But I also realize because I struggle with that. I'm like, you know, I realize the militarization of these events and the way they gentrify neighborhoods. But I also realize that the Olympics is a place to truly showcase women's sport and they won't be able to do that this year and for some people one year is a really long time particularly black women athletes brown women athletes who aren't getting an opportunity and may not have money to show up next year the the possibility here is that your partners your sponsors your federations whoever because of the olympics being postponed one year and yes the ioc is urging if athletes have qualified they get to hold their spot at the same time, a lot of these mm-hmm. national sport organizations, I'm not saying they're all crooked, but maybe I am. But mm-hmm. truthfully, you know, they hold a lot of power. And this one year is so nebulous now that a lot of them might have, you know, the ability here to just snuff someone's dream out. And mm-hmm. it's it's to me, it's, it's completely shifted and changed the landscape for sport. So maybe you were on the cusp of qualifying this year or you could have qualified, but next year the rules are different. Or next year they say like, oh, well, no, I don't care what the IOC says. You know, we're this national, you know, sports body. And this is what we're saying for 2021. To your point now, it could be an excuse to drop a lot of athletes, right? Who have mm-hmm. no voice, who have no power. And that's mm-hmm. the fear of I. So if you're a big sports star in your sport, you have the voice, you have the platform, chances are nothing is going to happen to you. But yeah, if this fine. was, yeah. you're fine. But if this is your chance, if this was one, your one year, a whole year to fund an Olympic dream, Shireen mm-hmm. costs thousands and thousands yep. of dollars. And not yep. only the dollars, right? Mm-hmm. It's the person to watch your children if you're a woman athlete who has decided to start an, a, a family early, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, being able to pay for daycare. It's being able to buy equipment. It's able to afford training. Mm-hmm. Like the cost of this thing is not just financial, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the other thing too is as a woman who's in sport, again, I've we've talked about this. I decided to have a baby when I was retired. That was a conscious decision. For men in, in sports, not really a concern for them, right? They can start their families right. whenever. right. I know yep. quite a few athletes who mm-hmm. just a generation or two behind me who are now like me and my spouse, my partner, whoever, 
we're about to start our family. 2020 was like our end, our cap. And we are starting our family. Now, Shireen, what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to start their family now or chase this Olympic <laughs> dream? They're at a complete crossroads. Yeah, right? and it doesn't, it doesn't mean that if you try to start a family, it's necessarily going to work on well, your timeline. Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you decide you're going to start at the end of 2021. You've just delayed this thing for who knows how many years. The reason right. I say that is because it took me a while to have Nova. And I, I told you, I, I said that we needed some, some help. We need, you know, fertility treatments. So I really, my heart goes out for athletes and women who right now, this has completely, not necessarily just destroyed not destroyed maybe that's too harsh a word but mm. basically like delayed disrupted. yes disrupted, disrupted. exactly mm -hmm. their olympic dream or their, their pursuits but it's really like family planning what do i do now the other thing too is a lot of these athletes you you plan in for your blocks for your cycles like mm -hmm. A lot of them are like, I was going to start med school. I deferred a year to do this and to start this career. What do I do now? Do I put it off a year? And do I even have the money to, to, to fund myself and my coach for another year? Sharita, it's, it's going to be, these stories are not over by a long shot. So about the Canadian Olympic Committee deciding not to send athletes to Tokyo, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, I was like, I, I saw the news when it happened. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait. Canadian Olympic Committee? No, 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 no. Let me let me read this again. Because <laughs> I mean, I too was very surprised, I gotta tell you. Yes. Not always Canadian institutions that impressed me, Perdita. You know that of all people. That's right. And and just for our listeners, this happened before the Olympics were officially announced to be postponed till July 2021. So. Exactly. And they were yeah. the first country to do this. The IOC yeah. was hemming and hawing. They did make mm -hmm. a decision on whether they'll delay, but Canada basically called and said, look nobody is going. Mm. I was shocked, Shireen, because, you know, Canadians aren't one to rock the boat in that way. But I was right. really proud of the Canadian Olympic and Paralympic committees because they took a stand. And quickly you saw Australia, you know, do similar. And I feel like it really forced the IOC's hand because you can't mm. have an Olympics if you don't have the world's best athletes, right? right. And, <laughs> but there was some dissension. There were some athletes who understood the reasoning, but a few of them were not, excited about it because it's like why does the olympic committee and paralympic committee make our decisions for us why can't we wait a few more weeks and so it wasn't this you know it was a blanket decision but it wasn't like celebrated all over the place some athletes were very confused and a little bit disappointed by it because again if you work for four years for a thing shireen and all of a sudden you want to wait it out right you want to mm -hmm. you want to wait to the to the last hour but you can't it, there's no there was no way forward in this do you have any other projects that were postponed or canceled? Just the main one that we've already alluded to, which is the book the, the and then book. the Olympics, which is, mm -hmm. and then I had, you know, I, I keynote speak, right? So I've had tons of mm -hmm. keynote speaks around Mother's Day and International's Women's Day, just yeah. all canceled. I've had, yeah. you know, book festivals to go to and, right. you know, the libraries and those things far and wide have all been canceled. And, you know, obviously right. on TV promoting the book and we, we were book solid, thank God. But mm -hmm. all those things are now shelved. But when you see what's going on, it's almost like, Shireen, it's like, well, I'm just like a little lowly freelancer. Like, I'll be okay. And yes, you know, creatives, I think, struggle right now because our work mainly is like, if you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah. But at yeah. the end of the day, when I think about it, I'm like, I'm still here. I'm still all right. Like, we will get through this time. And here's the other mm -hmm. thing, too, I want to say. Um, you know, I saw these memes and all these posts about, like, how productive people need to be during this time. <laughs> and, like, you know, get that I, next... I, I have to tell you, I put on pants for this interview, so I count myself a winner. <laughs> Do you? I'm like I'm seeing ads for jeans online and all these things. I'm like, who is putting on jeans, people? No, I'm not. Like, no, I'm wearing sweatpants. Hello, 
Like, don't sell me any cheese. I am not interested. How dare you? But the truth of the matter, I think people really need to understand, like, if for you this time is literally like you said, being in your comfy clothes, being in your pajamas, decompressing and not having that next big idea or not even being creative, brother, sister, whoever you are, do that, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. But I think what happens is, you know me, I love Instagram. I love Insta stories. You yeah. see all these people doing these amazing things and, you know, all these seminars and all these, you know, lives and all these things like, well, what have I done today? If you are that person that doesn't need to do anything right now, be that person and do it guilt free. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I will take your cue and I will never wear pants again. <laughs> This special episode of Burn It All Down, Mother's Day 2020, was produced by Kasia Mihailovich. We at Burn It All Down wish you the best in health and safety and as much wonderful time with your loved ones. And if you cannot be with them, hope you can be with them soon. Take care, be safe, and burn on, not out.